This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit, in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest, and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host and presenter, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It is Saturday morning, and good morning and welcome to America's Roundtable Radio. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we're delighted and honored to welcome to this program a great American patriot, a principal leader, and a champion of freedom, Senator Jim DeMint. For over two decades, Senator Jim DeMint has fought tirelessly for freedom, prosperity, and traditional American values against the Washington, D.C. swamp. Today, he leads and trains a new generation of conservative warriors as chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute. Jim DeMint represented South Carolina in the U.S. House from 1999 to 2005 and the U.S. Senate from 2005 to 2013. And in 2020, President Donald J. Trump appointed Jim DeMint to the White House Economic Advisory Board. Indeed, a good morning to you, Senator DeMint, and welcome once again to America's Roundtable. Welcome, Senator DeMint. Well, good morning to both of you, and thanks for having me back. Uh, I really appreciate what you do, uh, broadcasting all over the country, and I look forward to talking to you this morning. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Senator DeMint, uh, inflation, that is an overall price level, increased by 8.6% annually in May. And this is the fastest annual increase in prices in over 40 years. Gas prices at the pump increased by 48.7% from last year. Grocery prices jumped by 11.9% annually, and among them, according to the Labor Department data, the index for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs increased the most, rising 14.2%, with the index for eggs increasing by 32.2%. And during the same time, wages grew by just 5.2%, which is not keeping pace with price increases. Let us briefly remember the then-candidate Biden's words in the 2020 presidential debate, and I quote. He said, You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning, deciding, well, we can't get new tires, they are bald, or are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Who's going to tell her she can't go back to community college? Unquote. President Biden said those words when inflation rate was at 1.4%. Today it is at 8.6%. 30-year mortgage rate was at around 3%. And today is at 6.28%. Gas prices were at $2.30 a gallon. And today's national average for a gallon of gas hits new all-time high of $5 per gallon. Senator DeMint, what are your thoughts about this troubling economic situation and the Biden administration's policies? 
Well, it's important that America understand that this is a result of, of bad policy. Uh, uh, Democrat policies, policies on the left. Uh, Republicans have pay, played a part over the years in spending too much and borrowing too much. Uh, but the, the whole shutdown during COVID and then just throwing money into the economy, which fortunately um, President Biden didn't get all he wanted. He wanted um, another $3 trillion plus dollars thrown into the economy, and it would have just made inflation worse. Uh, there's still a lot of that COVID, COVID money being held uh, by states and, and by people. So the chances that inflation will go even higher are, are very good because inflation is generally caused by uh, t too much money chasing too few products. And people have already learned that uh, the, uh, there are a lot of products that are uh, in low inventory. A lot of things are hard to get right now, but there's a lot of money out there to chase them. That, that those products, so prices go up. And uh, if I could just say a few things about energy, because it's something I was involved with in the House and the Senate for many years, um, people need to understand that when America makes a commitment to expand its own production of energy, like we did under Trump, the rest of the world expands their production and lowers their prices in order to discourage American um, energy production. Uh, it's been the, in the past. There have been times when we've capped our wells and stopped production because energy was so cheap from other countries. Um, but the opposite happens when Biden came in, um, because the first day in office he sent signals he was going to shut down production, and he stopped the pipeline coming in from Canada. Uh, he put additional regulations. He he stopped some leases. The rest of the world got those signals. They lowered production. They increased their prices. And so not only did American uh, oil and gas become more expensive and less available, but the imports were more expensive and less available. So this, this is a situation we can fix with good policy, uh, and it can be fixed relatively quickly if America opens its energy. But the long-term effect of an inflation is uh, just as bad as the short term because uh, everything we work for uh, will be worth worth less. People's standard of living will be lower for years. And uh, I just hope Americans learn that the leftist economic policies in America that the Democrats uh, are using now will make our lives worse. And um, so I'm just hoping people will vote in this, this midterm and send a strong signal that this is not what we want. Right. Uh, Senator DeMint, in order to rein in inflation, the Federal Reserve raised interest rate by 0.75% this past week, which is the largest increase since 1974. And this increase will further lead to the cost of borrowing for businesses and families going up. And as a result, there could be two possible scenarios. The first, that the economy can slow down enough to bring down inflation while avoiding recession which could be a positive outcome. However, the second scenario can also happen that economy slows down significantly, that consumption and production falls and unemployment rises, 
whereby recession becomes unavoidable. Uh, Senator DeMint, having served in the U.S. Congress and the U.S. Senate, what are your thoughts about a role that legislators can play in first preventing and then remedying these economic and monetary developments if they do arise? Well, it's, it's a tenuous, if not dangerous, situation now because when the economy slows down, uh, generally people lose their jobs and we're not going to build as many homes. There'll be a lot of um, entry-level, low-wage jobs that are eliminated in the short term. Uh, this is at a time where millions of uh, illegal Immigrants are being allowed into our country that will take a lot of these jobs. Americans may find they're not only making less, but they may not have jobs. Um, and this is terribly discouraging uh, at a time where we have uh, low unemployment. It's very possible these interest rates will result in a business slowdown, less hiring, and even layoffs. Um, and I just I hate for us to go through that right now after we've gone through COVID. But p policies, again, can, can fix this. And we, we have to do things that encourage business. So during the Trump administration, uh, lowering regulations, decreasing taxes, uh, creating a better business environment, just had the economy running in a way that helped people at every income level. Um, now we've, we've got a situation where the, the feds are trying to um, slow down the economy, uh, which is really discouraging for people who've been building businesses and opening restaurants and trying to get back on their feet after COVID. Uh, so uh, we need a policy change on many fronts in, in Washington. Um, my concern is I'm just not sure Americans understand uh, the cause and effect system here that we have, that there are certain things you have to do to get the effect you want. And the effect we want is opportunity and prosperity. And um, Joe Biden has done a lot to kill that. Indeed, uh, Senator DeMint, and we have noticed uh, when you turn on television sets and when you listen to the news, there's a lot of the news that mainstream media is really underreporting. And uh, during your leadership work in the House and the Senate, you strongly advocated for a rule of law based immigration system and to secure our borders. And the Washington Times reported, I quote, border authorities nabbed nearly 240,000 illegal immigrants at the southern border in May, according to numbers released late Wednesday that show the month marked a new record level of chaos for the Biden administration, unquote. And other relevant data reported just a week ago relay that immigration officials encountered more than 1.7 million immigrants along the U.S. border, illegal immigrants along the U.S. border in 2021, three times the number they reported in 2020 and more more than 1.2 million immigrants along the border just in 2022. And these are significant numbers, of course. And uh, we also know that 40 illegal immigrants on the terror watch list were arrested by Customs and Border Protection since President Biden took office. Uh, Senator DeMint, what are we to make of this national security crisis at our southern border? the unfolding humanitarian disaster, and why are we not having daily hearings on this incursion into America's sovereign territory, an invasion of some 3 million illegal immigrants since Joe Biden took office? 
Well, those are just the ones that uh, we know about. And uh, whenever you're apprehending, uh, you know, five, there are likely several that uh, are not apprehended. And this reveals a lot about what Democrats believe today. And, and beliefs are really key to to the outcomes of policies. Is there many in the Democrat Party who don't really believe in national borders um, they, and they want they believe that this illegal immigration is a compassionate thing to do although the facts suggest a, a very different um, scenario hundreds of thousands of Americans have died from fentanyl poisoning uh, from the, that have come in illegally through our southern borders because of the lack of borders. Uh, we found out during the Trump administration, uh, he finished about 500 miles of, of fencing. Um, we just needed a two or 300 more miles to, to be able to control the border. Uh, we were tough on Mexico to keep folks there in, until they uh, had a, uh, a chance to apply um, to come into our country. There are things that slowed the flow of illegal immigration. But all Americans need to understand that all these millions of people who are coming here illegally uh, will be on government benefits. Uh, they will be looking for entry-level jobs that will take American jobs. There are a lot of drugs coming in. There's human trafficking. There are terrorists, as you mentioned. It's just, it's a very dangerous situation. And they're not hearings. Because this is what the Democrats want. Uh, a few may speak out against it, but in large part, uh, there is a cynical side of this because they're already talking about a path to citizenship. They want these people to vote because they believe they can be manipulated uh, by being put on government benefits. And so there are a lot of things happening on the border that people should understand reveal a lot about the goals of, of the Democrat Party today, which are very different than they were 20 years ago. I could work with Democrats when I came to Washington, but the, the border is, is a very dangerous and, and sad situation. Uh, and all we're getting from the Democrats is, is to punish uh, border guards uh, for trying to do their job. That's right. Yes, indeed. I recall the day when Natasha Sardoch and I sat with you in your offices in Washington, D.C. during the mid-2000s with U.K. members of the European Parliament, Roger Helmer and Jeffrey Von Norden. And we were discussing the Transatlantic Alliance, and you stressed the importance of peace through strength. And through your leadership in the Senate, you have advanced this principal policy and cautioned America from waging wars in distant lands without the full approval of the U.S. Congress affirming the U.S. Constitution. And here we are today. There is war in Europe, and a number of our fellow Republicans are right to blame Biden policies, including his actions to undermine America's energy independence, as you rightfully mentioned, the weak foreign policies on appeasing rogue states like Iran, and opening up Nord Stream 2 for Putin's Russia after President Trump had closed it down. And for such a time as this here, Americans are really footing the bill. We're paying for much of the defense through NATO, $800 billion in 2021 for military spending alone, uh, nearly 4% of our GDP on defense, while the European partners are just actually not even paying their 
fair share. Some are not even meeting that 2% mark. And we recall President Trump talking about even encouraging and challenging NATO to give about 4% of their GDP to defense. Senator Demand, what is your message to our fellow Americans on this key issue? And why is peace through strength so important for America and its future? Uh, I feel like we're in a very dangerous situation now, and I'm afraid most Americans don't understand uh, why we're in this situation. I know when I was in the Senate, President Obama negotiated what was called the START Treaty with Russia, uh, and unfortunately, a number of Republicans went along and, and ratified that treaty. It was a disarmament treaty that America would reduce its nuclear arsenal uh, and, and allowed Russia to expand its tactical nuclear weapons, which unlike the traditional nuclear weapons, which are deterrent, tactical nuclear weapons are developed to be used. And unfortunately, part of that agreement was America would continue its commitment not to develop a missile defense system. We can't defend against uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles now. And so we're we're sitting in a situation where we're not only cannot act against Russia or China, but Iran or even North Korea, and we need to have a missile defense system that we can share with our allies, so that when tyrants like Putin are threatening the world, that they have no power because if they start firing missiles, we can shoot them down. And that's an idea that goes under the umbrella of peace through strength. We don't have to be in a nuclear war if we've got a deterrent like a missile defense system. But Russia is, I'm guessing, is itching to show that they will use tactical nuclear weapons, which would change the world in an instant, because there's not anything we can do about it. Um, because if we go after them, they will fire a lot of nuclear missiles at Europe and probably the U.S. Uh, and I'm concerned that if, if Putin is sick, as has been reported, that he may want to go out in a blaze of glory, uh, taking down part of the world with him. We should just not be in a situation like this where we cannot defend ourselves against the worst weapons in the world. So we, we need to change this, this whole mindset uh, that has been pervasive in the Democrat Party and partly in the Republican Party. We, we cannot go around the world getting in these wars, just putting troops, to our own troops in to get killed like we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. We need to be in a position where we don't have to go to war and that anyone who threatens us, that we can neutralize them with, without sending our troops everywhere. But we're not in a good situation now and we're just sending weapons uh, that uh, um, unfortunately, many Ukrainians and Russians are being killed. Uh, I'm firmly on the side of the Ukrainians because I know this is something Russia has has stirred up for years. I spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe. So I, I'm just very frustrated that treaties like the START Treaty or now the, the Iran Agreement that's allowing them to finish uh, their development of nuclear weapons, that the world is not going in a safer direction right now. Right, and I think this is like a, a preview of what could happen if Iran gets a nuclear nuclear weapon capabilities. So we can see that we cannot allow that to happen. 
Uh, Senator Dement, uh, you have been in the forefront calling for a constitutional convention, so to introduce amendments to the U.S. Constitution in order to rein in federal spending and power, and among them to impose fiscal restraint on Washington, reduce the federal government's authority over states, and impose term limits on federal officials. Uh, Senator Dement, could you kindly share with us about this unique endeavor that you have been spearheading? Well, I've been a, a volunteer, as many others have, of supporting the idea that is a constitutional Article 5 uh, way for um, states to propose amendments to the Constitution. Our goal is, is to restore the original intent of the, the federal government in a sense that it, it's supposed to be a very limited government. Uh, most of the power is to be left to the states and the people. And we've got uh, nearly 20 states who have already agreed to call a convention. You need to have 34 states. You're, you're not calling this convention to redo the uh, Constitution. You're calling it to propose amendments, which have to be ratified by 38 states. And I've heard people say, well, this is dangerous. You could have a runaway convention. I just tell them we already have a runaway convention, and it's called Congress. And this year, we were only uh, one or two votes away uh, from a whole lot of major changes, packing the court, uh, adding states that would be permanently Democrat, um, and uh, taking away gun rights, which they would do in a second if they had the power. So we need states to take more authority and more responsibility for our national government. This is how we were set up. We were set up as a republic with representative government. We were never intended to be a democracy uh, where the majority rules. Um, and so I'm a big supporter of Convention of States, and I would encourage people all over the country to encourage their state legislators, if they haven't already, to join the call for a state convention. Senator DeMint, in 2017, you launched Conservative Partnership Institute based in Washington, D.C. Could you kindly share with us your vision, the significance of conservative ideas, and are you hopeful about America's future? Well, well thanks for letting me say a little bit about CPI, as we call it, and, and folks can find out more at cpi.org. Org. I just realized that after being in the House and the Senate and helping to elect a lot of good people, that many of them, uh, in effect, go, go bad or it certainly stand down uh, once they get there because everything in Washington pushes in the wrong direction. And it's actually punishing to, to try to do the right thing, the, the basic things that make our country work. Most of Washington is pushing in a different direction. So I started the conservative partnership to support the members of Congress who, who are, consider themselves conservative, uh, common sense Americans, to help them get good staff, to train their staff to know how the place works, to create a place where they can get together and develop strategies and plans, and to pull the conservative movement together in a way that it can work together more effectively and support good congressmen and senators when they're doing the right thing. So we've been doing this for five years, and I've, I've never been more excited about something than I've done. I, I, we've, I think, done more good than I could have ever done as a senator. 
So I appreciate you letting me uh, say something about it. We just try to get folks to go to our website and get, give us their email so that we can keep them informed about what's really going on in Washington. So join us, um, be a part of building and uniting the conservative movement. Indeed, we encourage our engaged listeners to visit cpi.org. Senator DeMint, we thank you so much for your continued principal leadership. Uh, Senator DeMint is chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute based in Washington, D.C. Thank you, sir, uh, for your service to our country. Thank you, Senator DeMint. Thank you so much for having me. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lanza Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations and 50 affiliate stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Ladinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sodorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host and presenter, the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. 